Hey everyone, today on Abby Eats St. Louis, we're jumping into part two of my discussion with four local foodies about the last year, Tabled. Go back and listen to last week's chat if you haven't yet. This week, things get real. From the biggest frustrations they've had with customers to what they eat when they're vegging out at the end of a long, stressful pandemic. And no, it's not veggies, not even close. So here's Kyle Cole Morgan, head brewer of Well Spent Beer Company. I'm making beer and, and trying to run operations and, um, you know, do the best we can with what we got right now. Tara Galena, who co-owns Vicia and Winslow's Table with her husband, Chef Michael. Yeah, it's been a really interesting experience operating two different businesses, um, one that had just opened, you know, right before the pandemic had started. Russell Ping of Russell's Cafe and Bakery. Running the show, um, you know, and, and wearing a lot of hats these days and stuff like that, but just keeping it moving. And Kui Tran, the self-proclaimed overfed, overworked busboy of My Lee and Nudo House restaurants. It's been a while since we've gone into anyone's restaurant, so it's been kind of a struggle trying to keep everything afloat but you know we're staying positive and uh if i can crawl you know i'm sure all of us feel the same way if we can crawl we'll figure out a way to walk again let's get to it it seems like the staff side of things um is really 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 important to all of you and um i was speaking to somebody else um for the podcast and she told me you know what the whole customer is always right mentality doesn't work right now because we also have to protect ourselves. We have to protect our businesses. We have to protect our families and our employees. And that means that if you want to come in here and not obey the health standards or practices, or maybe you don't agree with what I'm doing to keep my business going, then I'm sorry, then you're going to have to go somewhere else. I mean, how do you balance the customer and the employee? I, I think that, the, again, one of the silver linings that have come from this experience is, is what you just mentioned, is that we have all been operating under this um, premise of, you know, the customer is always right for forever. Um, and, and a lot of times sacrifice both to our, our business, our bottom line, but also the well-being of our team. Um, and I, you know, I think back on not just things that have happened in my restaurant, but things I've heard from, from colleagues over the years that... You know, we've sort of bent over backwards to accommodate or to allow people to speak to us in a way that is just not appropriate ever. And I feel um, I feel empowered in a way now that I never did before to lead by example and say, you know, no, um, I, I reserve the right to say that that's not OK. And like you said, you can go someplace else, um, you know, but I think that is in terms of safety, but also just in terms of the little things. Um, and I, I think diners need to understand that going forward, um, you know, they can't just come in with reckless and abandon and sort of demand the world on a silver platter for themselves just because they're they're paying us or they're tipping us or, or whatever, you know, it may be. Um, so I think that that has been something um, that I'm trying to reiterate to my staff now that, you know, um, while of course we want to provide hospitality and customer service, you know, that's really important. Um, we also respect to, to be able to say when, you know, this is not an okay situation and you either need to leave or, um, you know, escalate it up to the next level. Kui coined it and I use it and I think it's the best thing ever is, um, you know, safety is the new hospitality. And, and I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you. I was going to, yeah, pretty much chime in on that. Um, uh, safety is the new hospitality and, you know, Tara hit it right on the button because, you know, we've throughout the years have been yelled at and, you know, we, we've taken literally everything uh, in hopes of trying to give the customer the best possible um, experience in all of our restaurants. And so basically, you know, we, I've had tons of situations where people have come in and, 
said, I'm infringing on their rights or this is un-American, uh, you know, and all this stuff. And, you know, I'm like, hey, guys, you can't have it both ways. You know, uh, we're a private business. And, I, you know, I had three guys one time tell me, they said that, you know, well, we don't have our mask. And I was like, well, you can't come in. And they're like, well, we're just going to sit right here. We're going to take it off when we eat. And I said, guys, I said, do you see all these people in here? I said, you know, it's my priority to keep them safe, to keep myself safe. And they depend on me to keep to do everything in my power to do what's right in order for us to stay in business. Business has been hard without the PPP loan. And that's a scary thing to say. Uh, we've been in business. My lead's been in business for 35 years. We could have gone under in a blink of an eye. And I mean, I, I, I never thought of something like that. But this has opened my eyes up. And so it's kind of like, hey, we're not going to let people do things that's going to be hurtful to other customers or our staff. Because, you know, if something happened to me, uh, all these people depend on me. And that's something that I, you know, would not be able to sleep at night knowing that if I didn't do everything right and my business went under, you know, these, my staff can't feed their families. That's something I don't think I could live with. And so, you know, this is, this is, you know, what I've told them. I said, once you cross that line, the only right you have is to hopefully have a nice meal and good service. But this is my place. You know, these are my rules. And, you know, you can't come in here without obeying the rules. And, you know, I've, I don't think I've never said anything like that in my life in hospitality. And it's uh, it's kind of what I've done. Uh, I told my staff, you know, we're always going to be generous. Uh, we're always going to be courteous and very respectful. But the people come in, you know, uh, doing something that's going to you know, interfere with the health and well-being of my other customers and my staff, then they're not welcome. And we've made it very clear. One thing for us is it's like, it's been this fine line of like, I think all of us kind of that grew up in the industry, you grew up in it, like having this mindset of like, you have to be in this yes, um, you know, mindset, everything has to be yes. So it's kind of like, you know, totally relearning how to you know, stand up to those customers, but do it like in a service and respectful way type of a thing, you know, like handing out, you know, handing out face masks to people when they walk in the door, if they don't have one, um, you know, but then like also loyal customers, like, you know, in, when we had our Chesterfield store open and our Fenton store, those are more like cafe settings where there's a line, people would be spaced out and be outside because we couldn't have any people inside. And it's like, you know, the customers would be the ones that would be telling people to, to put their masks on and stuff like that, just because they want to see, you know, they don't want to see the restaurants have, have COVID problems. I was hoping I could add to like some type of positivity to the conversation, especially around this, but like forever, you know, we've, we maybe have had one or two of those instances the entire year we've been reopened, you know, those, those, those um, kind of uh, those back and forth that you hear about, it really didn't exist for us, at least, you know, in just within these four walls, our, our customer base, although it's, you know, we're young and it's small, um, really responded well to um, being flexible. Um, um, our, you know, our policies and procedures changing to, to our requirements, to our masking, to the way we, you know, do bathrooms and reservations and all this stuff different for every place. And um, our, you know, St. Louis customer base has been, super flexible about it and, and, and responsive, responsible and responsive to it. Um, and so I can't say enough about, you know, the vast majority of, of St. Louis being um, respectful of, of our wishes to kind of change how we do things. 
And let's talk about that customer loyalty base, that um, the, the support, because I know, uh, speaking of the positivity, I definitely do want to pivot to that a little bit, that, you know, and Tara mentioned it with having the group of people that just the, the, the loyal, the folks who are loyal and said, you know what? I need to step up right now. Visio was there for me during my anniversary dinner. Kui was there for me when I needed a gift certificate for my kids' school raffle. Or, you know, Russell's is where we get our Sunday breakfast all the time. I mean, people stepped up in a lot of ways. What are some of the moments that made you kind of say, okay, this is going to be okay. People are still good. And I can take a deep breath and feel good about where things are right now. I know they're fleeting sometimes, but there are moments, I imagine. There's a lot of moments. Um, I, I mean, I think, you know, all of us are, are dealing with, you know, a lot of our um, business comes through online. And so people are placing online orders. And um, on most systems, you know, you can leave a note or a message when you're placing an order. And I'm always blown away by the notes of positivity that we get from our from our guests, you know, whether it's like, thank you for doing all that you do, something as simple as that to this week, uh, we had somebody place an order at Visia and share that, they were celebrating being cancer free. And this was, you know, so meaningful to them. And like, I, I mean, I just started crying when I read it and it's just, you know, you forget because we don't get to have these human interactions with people that we are still providing a great experience and a connection, you know, through food, even if it's in a box and it's very distant. So um, I think getting those messages from people um, mean more than I think they could ever know. With all the bad stuff, there's been a huge silver lining um, with our loyal customer base you know, we've had tons of people come in multiple times, more than they've ever have. And I mean, I've had people come in and say, hey, here's, you know, leave a $500 tip for the staff or people have come in and, you know, I mean, multiple times. And then I've had calls, you know, where customers are like, hey, I just bought a thousand dollars worth of gift cards. How about, do you, you know, and they, they would text back and be like, hey, do you need more? I can buy more. And I'm like, no, 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 because you, you, you know, uh, everyone's struggling. It's not just us. And I think that's kind of like uh, what we have to uh, be respectful of. You know, I would never ask customers to do more than they already have, because obviously uh, the whole world is struggling right now. And but, you know, just to see that, like Tara said, it's incredibly heartwarming for, you know, people to come in and just I mean, you know, some guys writing a check for five hundred dollars to leave to the staff. I mean, what you know, that helps keep your staff there, you know, all the good work you've done and um, there's been a ton of great stories like that. And, uh, you know, for that, I'm very grateful. Um, it's, you know, the positive stuff like that has helped keep me positive as well during these hard times. So, yes, we've tons of great stories like that uh, at Miley and Nudo. We've had some positive stuff, too, as far as, you know, just seeing people support us. We um, the the second shutdown happened right as we were expanding our original Fenton location just for some some new dining space and um we were like the day that we were gonna open that little bit of extra space you know spaced out or whatever uh they announced that you know we were shut down again so we decided to open up uh do online stores and ship gooey butter nationwide and we had an amazing um, response to that. And just, and a lot of it was just, you know, our, our loyal customers that are like, yeah, we'll, we'll ship these to everybody. We, through the month of December, we ended up shipping out over 3000 of them. Um, just because, you know, and people really, I mean, I think people like everybody's struggling, but everybody's like really wants to know how they can help all the businesses survive. For each of you, why do you think that people should care 
Why should people care about our local restaurants and our local food scene specifically here in St. Louis? Uh, where do we start with that? I mean, the, the restaurants, one restaurant, like let's just say, just say Miley's alone. I mean, we, you know, from everything from the foods of, you know, so the dishes, like we keep so many industries alive because we purchase these things. Cause you got to think, People don't realize that if you're lucky, you only net, you know, if you're lucky, you may net 15% of everything you bring in. So that means if it's 15% staying with me, 85% of my business is going to buy, you know, cleaning supplies, dishwashing soap, uh, you know, going to the farmers, uh, going to other food industries, you know, drink, wine. I mean, everything we we keep so much industry afloat that people don't realize you know stuff like that and so it's just kind of like if you take it's unfortunate because you know during the pandemic all this stuff people are finally realizing that the restaurant industry is larger than the airline the automotive industry combined the only difference is we don't have any lobbyists you know, there's no one representing us but ourselves because we've always been, you know, um, for every business owner, every restaurant tour, we've always been self-sufficient. That, that's the only way to run. You know, we've been taught that. But now I think more than anything uh, with the pandemic, it's taught us that we actually need to come together. And, you know, uh, we're stronger together than we are separate. And, and you know, ev everybody has become a community, <laughs> like a community consultant kind of bringing in other restaurants and seeing how we can help each other and stuff like that. So that's, you know, that's the one unfortunate thing because people still look at us like it's just, oh, they're, you know, it's just the restaurant industry, but the, the power uh, that we bring as far as economically is huge. If you took us off the map right now, the, the economy would 100% collapse. It's not just the economic side, but it's the emotional side, you know, like Tara said, you know, your, your cancer, you know, cancer free celebrations, your birthdays, your anniversaries, um, your, you know, how many people have gotten engaged at your restaurant. And so uh, we're a place of not only economic strength, but we're a place of emotional strength. Well, shoot. Now, I mean, Kui, I feel like you answered a lot of a lot of what I think the response might be. But does anybody have anything to add to that, Tara? Yeah, I would say, you know, I mean, I 100 percent everything Kui just said, I agree with. Um, and I think in St. Louis in particular, I think there's two aspects of um, sort of su surrounding industries that are very much entwined to restaurants and have seen growth because of restaurants. One is, um, you know, it's obviously Missouri, Illinois, very big agricultural areas, but the proliferation of small farms of, of people who are really committed to growing good quality food and respecting the environment has in, in conjunction with the growth of the St. Louis restaurant scene has, has tremendously grown. Uh, and, you know, I worry every day about their success because of our inability to purchase at the level and volume that we have in the past. Um, and then in addition to that, tourism, St. Louis, and if you ask, you know, Kitty Ratcliffe with Explore St. Louis, uh, you know, the tourism industry in St. Louis is hugely driven by restaurants. People travel to St. Louis to eat at our restaurants, to travel all across the city from Fenton to Chesterfield to downtown to the Hill, you know, wherever um, to eat. Um, and we drive conferences booking here and events um, and, and those things support 
a ton more jobs, you know, and, and um, revenue to the city and to the county. And so, you know, without us, all of those things also suffer. So I I think there's a a really big ripple effect within our, um, you know, our local economy, besides just looking at it uh, nationwide, um, that should have everybody caring about the success of restaurants. You know, I think we can all agree when we don't all agree on a lot these days, but I think what we can agree on is that, you know, restaurants are really important to the economy. Um, And and I, I hope that that really sticks, um, you know, moving forward. Yeah, I think uh, local economy and even like just the personality of each of the individual, you know, neighborhood, like these are four different restaurant owners that have restaurants in, you know, or breweries and like in four different places. And it's like, you know, when we opened here, uh, I'm at Russell's on Macklin right now. Um, you know, we were here and there was a, a bar down the street and, and there wasn't really a whole lot else going on down here at Macklin. And we've really seen like this neighborhood grow in the last six years since we've been here. And, you know, we're a staple of a lot of the people that live here walk down here for brunch on, you know, Saturday and Sunday morning. And it's just like, uh, you know, not to toot our own horn, but if there wasn't that local spot where people could walk to, the the whole neighborhood would have, you know, a different feel. Um, And it's the same thing, you know, like we have this restaurant and then also like in Fenton, you know, you see a lot more um, chain restaurants and things like that in Fenton. So our little tiny cafe and bakery there that, you know, we do everything from scratch and we use the same, you know, methods that we do kind of more for, for, more high-end dining, you know, people just really gravitate to that because it has personality and it adds personality. You add to the community. Um, I, there would be so much less community support if all of these, you know, independently owned restaurants were just wiped out. Really just as a consumer of food, I think that, you know, all of my ex- experiences, especially as an adult with um, coming closer to where my food comes from, comes through restaurants, you know, and if it's not, if, uh, if BC isn't able to buy the uh, produce from the local farmer, that local farmer can exist. And then my food comes from somewhere else that's not here. And so that's what really um, I'm worried about, um, both as a business and just as a, uh, a resident of St. Louis, is that, you know, what happens, not just with restaurants closing, but the ripple effects of that. And uh, not just with, I mean, I think I want to, to hear Kui and Tara uh, actually give the numbers on, on employment and on um, the, uh, the financial effects of community, because that's, that's, that's where it's at, but also just like the ripple effects of, of where our culture is going without, um, without places like Vicia and Russell's and, um, and Miley, it, you know, it's, it's not really a, a place I want to live in. Can I chime in real quick on that, yeah. uh, Abby? So uh, with what everybody says, also, you know, like, you know, what Russell said that the restaurant is the soul of a neighborhood, you know, like where he's at in Fenton, there's tons of chains, you know, there's really no soul there. There's nothing, you know, there, there's nothing that, uh, that people can relate to. It's just somewhere they go to eat. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you go to the neighborhood place, it's somewhere that it, it resonates because the owner is basically just like you. He is another citizen, just like you. And, and not only that, but I think the independent, like what Tara says, you know, she's worried about the, the farms and, uh, and stuff. And, and all of us are, you know, we're trying to find the best local, you know, ingredients, best local farms that are growing, you know, humanely and it's sustainable. And so we're, we're doing so stuff like that, that the restaurant industry, the more that we do that, you know, it's scientifically, you know, how does it not help, 
the economy, all this stuff, but also help with, you know, avoiding more pandemics like this, you know, because we're, we're finding farmers that are, you know, growing their pigs really well, their cows, their chickens, you know, and the source of our food. And so, I mean, that's something that could benefit us tremendously moving forward health-wise. I feel like we could say, if you want to save the world, you can start by eating at a local restaurant. That's our new slogan. <laughs> Maybe we'll make t-shirts after this. You know, we talk about moving forward here. We are looking, if you watch the news today in Texas, they're opening things up. Everything's 100%. And sometimes we look at a city and a county location having two different rules and two different um, you know, scenarios of what it could look like inside the restaurant. So though we are talking about being one year into this, though we have great news on the vaccine front and we're hoping that we're going to continue to have good news on the infection front. It's still a pandemic. And so what do you want people to keep in mind when they see the rules potentially changing? And I think that people just need to realize uh, the biggest thing is, is that, you know, this is all up to each individual restaurant owner. So, you know, in Fenton a while back, you know, we were able to move up to 50% a while back, but it's a very small store. So we didn't move up to 50% because, you know, that would put people in too close proximity to each other. Uh, and we are trying to keep, you know, it's, it's just as important to keep staff safe as it is to keep employees safe and all that stuff. You know, I, I think if we open tomorrow at 100%, I don't think most of the people that dine here on a regular basis are ready to feel comfortable uh, eating in a packed restaurant. You know, I mean, like, I uh, I really miss the days of, of, you know, walking into the dining rooms or going out on the patio and it be, you know, it being crowded and, and just kind of like the chaos of everything and stuff like that. And hopefully that can come back at some point in time, but it's going to take a, it's going to take a long time to get there. And each restaurant kind of has to do it in their own way and how they feel comfortable. Um, but on the flip side of that, for me, like county and city, it would be nice if the two talked to each other <laughs> a little bit more. Um, that's That was kind of a, a little bit of a, a struggle during that second shutdown. I think one of the things that I hear, and it makes me, I don't want to say cringe, but um, there's a lot of cringeworthy things in the world. I don't know if this is exactly qualifies as one of them. But, you know, one of the things that I hear about is good news for restaurants or bad news for restaurants. Good news, capacity is opened up and, you know, in Texas, you can have, it's 100%. You can go wherever. There's no restrictions in St. Charles County. Um, but then the individual restaurant owner might say, I don't feel comfortable with that. Now my bad news is that I have to talk to people on an individual basis. There is no team restaurant versus team COVID safety. It, it, it's all over the place. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I was actually just having this conversation last night with, with Michael is everybody, you know, I think is fixated on this idea of capacity restrictions and what that means and how great it is. But, you know, if you're being a responsible business owner, you're not cramming people into your business. And if you have a small place, it doesn't matter if you can have 100%. You're losing at least 50% because you're trying to keep people six feet apart from each other. So in some ways, yeah, it matters, but in a lot of ways, it, it doesn't change anything. And until people are comfortable being closer than six feet away from somebody, I, I don't see how we can grow uh, you know, our business in that sense um, You know, until that's different. Um, so again, I, I, you know, 
I sort of wish that that was the guidance we were getting from our elected officials is, hey, you know, this is this is the safe way to operate your business is to keep people apart as opposed to just focusing on these capacity numbers. Um, so that's leaving it, like everyone has said, up to ourselves to decide. I think that um, we're building loyalty and confidence in our customers, you know, through this process because we are showing them that we're willing to make sacrifices, you know, to put safety first. But, you know, how long can we all afford to do that? You know, that's an individual question for everybody. I think we're still a long way away before we have to really be um, thinking about like uh, capacity being, you know, being a hundred percent and being actually be able to have a hundred percent capacity. Yeah. I mean, even like completely reworking business models to say like, okay, if we are, you know, nobody, nobody did their original business model saying, okay, well, we're only going to seat 25 or 50% of our guests. So it's like redoing that math for a whole year out saying like, you know, how long can we survive? Um, because we, you know, we want to keep people safe and stuff like that. So, and, you know, what are all these different, you know, that's where that, that business model keeps changing. What are all these different things we can do? How can we seat people, you know, more people outside when it's so cold, but then you, on the flip side of that, you know, how much money are we spending on propane to keep, you know, patios heated and and stuff. So it's just, it kind of goes back to the first question of just like, you know, constantly changing. And I don't think we're going to get to a point where like, okay, we're done. You know, this is how it's going to run for the next year. It's going to be, it's, it's still going to be a constant change. I think that the best thing we can do, because there's no, there's no end to this. We're not putting a period on it and say happily ever after this is what we want people to hear. It's, I guess, be patient um, and be flexible. And hopefully if we can treat this as something that we need to be kind to each other with, then we will make it out in the end and we won't have to have too many more, restaurants closing or things like that. Um, So I I feel like that's kind of the thesis statement. So to wrap it up, I want to know, I'm a big believer in comfort food, Um, comfort drinks, comfort food, comfort snacks. What is everybody's comfort food right now? What are you at the end of a long day sitting on the couch and either cracking open or serving yourself up to get through this? Because we can thank you food folks for helping us uh, with a lot of the comfort food. So what are you guys eating? I'll start with Tara. Um, well, let's see, as a mom, as well as a crazy business owner, I something that I did have to make myself is really like priority number one. Um, but I would say um, pizza, uh, you know, I think that's been the food of the of the pandemic. And I would have to agree in my household, that is our, our go to as well. Um, and thankfully, um, I, I feel like everybody has gotten into the pizza game. So there's lots of wonderful choices in St. Louis, um, you know, to keep us uh, to keep it interesting live uh, pretty close to Olive and Oak. So their cheeseburger is one of my favorite cheeseburgers ever. Um, and uh, usually stag or if we have, you know, we're canning beer now. And so a low fills of beer, that's, um, you know, that's, that's the meal of choice. And then like Tara said, you know, I have to, I eat whatever my kids don't eat. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's the other thing. We've got a, we've got a five-year-old too. So yeah, definitely. Uh, I would say we've got, we, we've definitely stocked the freezer with more ice cream this year than we ever had in the past. Um, and, and a lot of pizza, a lot of, a lot of making pizza at home. Um, you know, so the carbs are definitely up. Okay. Kui, you better not ruin this by giving us some kind of healthy option here. Healthy option. I've put on 15 pounds since this <laughs> pandemic. Uh, you know, you're That's asking not- what the, yeah. Oh gosh. 
You're asking what the comfort food is. The comfort food is yes, everything. I'm a, uh, you know, it's it's been crazy because you know I'm I'm a soup guy. You know, that's something I love. So fortunately, that's something I do. So I, I mean, I, I swear I've made so much noodle soup. But again, like it's noodle, any kind of pasta, pizza, or rice. I mean, literally, or some kind of cake. Because I mean, we just got, we just picked up the carrot cake from Winslow's. <laughs> but I mean, it's just kind of a, uh, it's got to be like pizza and burgers and noodles. It's just kind of like where I'm at. And that's all I've been eating. And like Russell said, the carb game is way up. And I put 15 pounds on it, you know, on myself to show for it. (laughs) Well, you know, whatever this next few months, whatever this next year looks like, whatever we, wherever we stand when we're sitting here having this conversation in March of 2022, hopefully we'll be sitting maybe at the same table at that point. Um, Y'all represent something about St. Louis that makes me proud to be from St. Louis. And so I just want to say on behalf of all the people who listen to the podcast or watch the news, um, thank you um, for being resilient, for being flexible and being creative. And thank you for having this conversation with me today. And, um, you know, there are a lot of people rooting for all of you. Well, thanks for well, telling thank us. You. Good yeah. to see everybody. Thanks. I don't, don't see anybody anymore. So, so good to see you guys. Good luck. See you soon. Thanks, guys. Oh, did we mention this whole conversation is on YouTube? It's like a podcast you can see. I'd love for you to check it out. It's over on the KSDK YouTube channel. We'll throw a link in the episode notes too. Abby Eats St. Louis is a Five on Your Side production. I'm Abby Larico. Producer is Dory Olmos. Be sure you are subscribed to the podcast as we'll be back next week with a fresh new food story, restaurant news, and your weekend planner. Follow the rules, wear your mask over your nose, and seize the plate.